You are listening to No PC Allowed, a.k.a. No Political Correctness Allowed. And I am Mac Iverson. What does America need more than anything else right now? What do people crave more than anything else right now? What's your answer? This is what America really needs. We need leaders and we need heroes. At the risk of sounding like a populist, these leaders and heroes need to come from America's rank and file. I'll go further. They need to come from the ranks of the forgotten man, the multitudes, not the elites and not from all the welfare recipients, but average, normal, hardworking, God-fearing, self-sacrificing Americans who are constantly getting shafted by the deep state mafia. For the next few moments, I will be talking about where these so-called role models come from for America currently, and then who our real, true-to-life leaders and heroes should actually be. Not the phantom comic book heroes, but those from real life. Do we even have any heroes anymore? Objectively, going strictly by the definition of heroism, I would say we definitely do not. First, who do young people especially look up to today? The high-living lowlife like the Kardashians, which honestly is really just a show about some very big asses physically attached to even bigger asses. Somewhat charming, perhaps, but truly absurd, broken people. That includes Bruce Jenner, Chelsea Handler, Miley Cyrus, Oprah Winfrey, Taylor Swift, all very Machiavellian users of people. Oprah Winfrey and Taylor Swift in particular are famous for having a very sincere connection to their fans. The fans want to know that these famous ones actually love and care for them beyond the career connection. That seems to be the main reason for their fame, not for their talent so much. These fans are desperate to be loved by people who don't even know they exist. Then there are countless sports stars, many of them alcohol and drug addicted, who seem to worship themselves and having a good time more than anything else. And then there's the comic book heroes. And this really highlights what's missing in the lives of those who obsessively watch these movies. Heroic behavior which is defined as being courageous and having noble qualities like bravery. People who love these movies obsess over heroes because those qualities are most likely missing in their own lives. Heroism is a fantasy because they have no real-life role models, so they fantasize about it. Wishing they knew people like this, or even sadder, they wish they could be like that themselves. Therefore, heroism remains stuck forever in the fantasy world. But, if you have a real hero, you have to define it based on reality. A comic book hero you don't have to define at all because it's all make-believe. You can attribute any superpower you want to them, and you just make the viewer feel good. It's an emotional draw. It's fast, cheap, junk entertainment. It just makes money for the creators who exploit the deep-seated, ignored desires of America's youth. Again, these kids are looking for, hungering for, desperate for, strong masculine role models who will protect them and society. But this is the polar opposite of what our reality is today, which is bought off and compromised woke Machiavellian effeminate game players like Bruce Jenner, for example. 
So the comic book hero simply becomes a distraction while the real potential heroes of America are getting canceled by a cancel culture because they're just too masculine, too strong, too heroic for an America in the 21st century, they tell us. And all these troubled kids who long for true heroes like these are instead distracted by fanciful cartoon comic book creations. And these kids are convinced through woke marketing and ads that the fake is better than the real. In fact, many of these heroes, so-called being portrayed in movies these days, are actually anti-heroes. They're dysfunctional, therefore they're more relatable by the dysfunctional audience. Their unhappiness is their main strength. They're fighting against evil, but Disney controls more than half of the genre. In Disney, what do they understand about good and evil? They have it backwards. So no wonder so many young people are confused. Happy and joyful functional kids are not that attracted to dysfunctional imaginary superheroes. Those healthy kids are focused on real life. Now, who has actually made it as a hero and is a role model for healthy kids? Figures from history. But America is so corrupt now that schools dare not teach too much about American heroes at all. That has become taboo because those heroes will show kids how to break the oppression of the woke tyranny. Fathers are vital as role models. First of all, kids should always look to their own dads to show them the way. Obviously, many dads are horrible role models because many just wanted to do the quick shimmy sham with sexy mom. That takes us back to the sexual revolution. Before that, we had Roe versus Wade, which was a necessary precursor to that revolution. No easy abortions means no easy sex. Simple as that. But the innocent kids paid for the new no-rules sex. All of this harkens back to the weakness of the churches. Throughout all of America's most recent miseries over the past several decades, the church has been mostly absent. I'm talking about real Bible-based churches being in such short supply. The ones that do exist are great, but there are so few of them. Fire and brimstone congregational and Baptist churches were everywhere at our nation's founding, and they preached liberty and rebellion from the pulpits. Today, look at all of the obvious, raw, naked, and moral decay happening right now before our very eyes here in America. And where are the churches? They're having parishioners fill out surveys on how can they become more authentic, for example. If you don't get the obvious irony and humor there, then that's a problem. So many churches have stolen the corporate notion of being Machiavellian in their approach to growing their church, similar in the way a business would. So the focus isn't on God's word anymore. If it ever was, it's on making money. A church can define their success by any metric they choose. But popularity means making money in a church. God's forgotten word is something else entirely. Then there are political heroes, or the lack of. For example, nearly 100% of elected Democrats are corrupt, and about 80% of elected Republicans are worthless and dangerous. Some 80%. There are no real leaders running against Trump. 
Ron DeSantis has tons of potential, but he is acting very marginal here in 2023 so far. Then there are heroes from America's military history. Sergeant Alvin York was one of the most decorated U.S. Army soldiers of World War I. He received the Congressional Medal of Honor for leading an attack on a German machine gun nest, gathering 35 machine guns, killing at least 25 enemy soldiers, and capturing 132 prisoners. The German officer emptied his pistol while firing directly at York, but failed to hit him. This officer then offered to surrender, and York accepted. Next, there was the story of one of the most fascinating people in all of American history, Audie Murphy, a genuine and uncompromised American hero. At the end of his autobiographical film, To Hell and Back, which he starred in, a list of his honors which took a mere three years in the Army to achieve, he was in seven major campaigns in Europe in World War II. He had been awarded three Purple Hearts, a Bronze Star Medal, a Bronze Star Medal with a Bronze Star Arrowhead, a Legion of Merit, two Silver Star Medals, the Distinguished Service Cross, and three French Medals, and America's highest decoration, the Congressional Medal of Honor. He retired from the military shortly after his 19th birthday. He retired as a teenager. That movie, to Helen Beck, by the way, was the highest-grossing movie for Paramount Pictures up to that time when it was released in 1955. Everybody wanted to know what could make such a hero. America was intensely curious. All those honors, by the way, came at an extremely high price for him. Not just physical, but the invisible scars on this true-to-life cowboy hero who later starred in some 40 westerns. Those invisible war scars were very visible and real to him. He was a hero because of his unspeakable sacrifice for others. Here's one of the most captivating things about Audie Murphy that was discussed in that movie. He had a dread of taking on responsibility. Audie's oddity was that he did not want more responsibility with his increasing rank because he could not walk away from responsibility. That was the main talent that made him heroic. He was exceptionally conscientious and caring for his fellow soldiers. And there are many other war heroes, but what did these two, Sergeant York and Audie Murphy, fight for? The exact opposite of what the deep state is fighting for. Both were edgy and aggressive because neither was brainwashed into thinking that their masculinity was toxic. If they could somehow envision life today... The thing that they were willing to aggressively sacrifice everything for, life here in America. If they could envision life in America as it is today, while they were still on the battlefield back then, and actually see all the damning destruction, the internal rot that has possessed America today, how would these two American heroes in particular respond? Would they drop their weapons and physically surrender out of sheer shock and depression? Maybe they wouldn't but I probably would. And I think most heroic servicemen would as well. America has fallen into a very dark, very bad place. The global mafia now has its demon bony fingers gripped tightly around the throat of the USA. And we don't have much time to break free if we can even do it. Here's an example of a hero from American film. 
Gary Cooper in the 1950s Western High Noon. No analysis here, just the very end of the movie. After feeling like the entire town had let him down because they wouldn't join him to bring down some bad guys, after defeating those bad guys, the sheriff then removed his badge and simply tossed it in the dirt. He never wanted the job, but he was the only one present to stand up and actually do it because it needed to be done. That's leadership, and that's precisely what's missing in America again. And that's precisely what's missing in American politics today. Too many politicians, not enough leaders, who simply need to get the job done. More examples of heroism and leadership from American history. Abraham Lincoln. He made an outrageous sacrifice just to keep the USA together. All you have to do to know this is to look at his photograph as he entered into the presidency in 1861 and then four long war-weary years later. His photograph that seemed to age him at least 20 years in just four years. Another American hero was President Ronald Reagan. Long before he became famous, he was a lifeguard at Rock River in Dixon, Illinois. As a teenager, he saved 77 lives from those treacherous waters, and one more life was later saved when he was governor of California from a swimming pool. Reagan was trained to be a self-sacrificing leader. Later he commented, I don't recall anyone ever thanking me. That is our funny and tragic human nature. And President Trump, one of the most courageous of them all, truly an American hero who does not need the job of cleaning up America, but he's doing it simply because it desperately needs to be done. If he can pull it off, and if there's enough room for one more, his visage should be carved into Mount Rushmore, and I mean that sincerely, a place for American heroes. Then there is President George Washington, and I'm going to read this directly from Cora.com, and this is so interesting. It's fascinating to find this out if you don't know this about George Washington. On July 9th, 1755, a 23-year-old George Washington was participating in the Battle of Monongahela with the Virginia militia during the French and Indian War. The Indians were given very specific instructions. Shoot the officers first and anyone on a horse. When officers and the men around him were being shot down, Washington rode forward to take command of the remaining forces. During the battle, he had two horses shot out from under him. 1,500 British and colonial forces took part in the battle. Of those, 714 were killed and 37 other wounded. Of the 86 officers, 26 were killed and 37 wounded. The mounted officers fared even worse. Washington was the only survivor. Retreat was finally called, and the forces returned to Fort Cumberland, where Washington spoke with General Braddock about the day's events. Only then did he find that his coat had four bullet holes in it, as well as an additional one in his hat and a bullet fragment remaining in his hair. Washington wrote to his family of the event, but by the all-powerful dispensations of providence, I have been protected beyond all human probability or expectation, for I had four bullets through my coat and two horses shot under me, yet escaped unhurt, although death was leveling my companions on every side of me. Years later, he encountered a well-respected Indian chief, was said to have said about Washington 
that there was a higher power looking out for him and started the myth of him being bulletproof. He said to Washington that day, I am a chief and ruler over my tribes. My influence extends to the waters of the Great Lakes and to the far Blue Mountains. I have traveled a long and weary path that I might see the young warrior of the great battle. It was on the day when the white man's blood mixed with the streams of our forest that I first beheld this chief, Washington. I called to my young men and said, Mark yon tall and daring warrior. He is not of the Redcoat tribe. He hath an Indian's wisdom, and his warriors fight as we do. Himself is alone exposed. Quick, let your aim be certain, and he dies. Our rifles were leveled, rifles which, but for you, knew not how to miss. Twas all in vain, a power mightier far than we shielded you. Seeing you were under the special guardship of the Great Spirit, we immediately ceased to fire at you. I am old and soon shall be gathered to the great cancel fire of my fathers in the land of shades. But ere I go, there is something bids me to speak in the voice of prophecy. Listen, the great spirit protects that man, pointing at Washington, and guides his destinies. He will become the chief of nations, and a people yet unborn will hail him as the founder of a mighty empire. I am come to pay homage to the man who is the particular favorite of heaven and who can never die in battle. That is amazing. That is true history. Another hero, David, who slew Goliath. Verse 48 says that David ran toward the battle line to meet Goliath. Goliath was some nine feet tall, and little David ran to fight him. Let me ask you this. If someone really insults your wife or mother, wouldn't you do the same thing? Why should it be any different for God who is holy? Finally, talking about heroism and the ultimate sacrifice that has always been so common, the tomb of the unknown American soldier in Arlington National Cemetery, which has 24-hour guard 365 days a year, continuously since the 1930s. Today, it's all just a show. The deep state hates the unknown soldier who sacrificed his life for that elusive and slippery concept called life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness or joy. Think about this. It's almost impossible to ride on a jet ski while slamming through ocean waves and not be happy. But genuine Christian joy is really worth pursuing and capturing. There are countless other unknown heroic stories by the billions, common examples of the forgotten man, those who grew old early because of their sacrifice to their families. They developed a large gut because they had to work graveyard shift, which throws off their body's metabolism, and so they end up getting diabetes and heart disease or cancer from overwork and stress and dying decades before their time. Heroism is common except for where it is most needed today, in that disgusting, mafia-controlled swamp known as Washington, D.C. Who is the ultimate hero? Jesus is the ultimate hero. It's built into his divine DNA to be all things to all people. He was a polarizing figure because of his revolutionary message of salvation, which meant he had a perfect bravery in the face of extreme persecution. It's impossible to be a hero without facing extreme danger. He not only faced it, but he fully accepted it, 
even when he did not want to. Again, there's that very human desire to avoid extreme responsibility, but Jesus, in human form, faced it unconditionally. He suffered and died on a cross to save others and transformed society as a result. There can be no more perfect hero than this, and this must be the perfect role model for America and the entire world, if we wish to pull out of our current tailspin into woke damnation. His apostles were also magnificent role models for bravery, true leaders. Traditionally, to be a hero means to kill the enemy or to be killed by the enemy. We need that edgy killing instinct to kill off the woke stranglehold on America. It is impossible to be a hero if not facing extreme danger. For us Americans, and for now, it's much easier than that. Action step, only one. It's not enough to simply speak out. We must actually get involved, like it's a job, for the long haul. Even if Trump wins in 2024, the woke mafia money machine isn't going anywhere. In fact, they will step up their game to an outrageous level of demonic activity. So you must get involved now, part-time or full-time, and prepare to stay involved for the rest of your life. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, Silence in the face of evil is itself evil. God will not hold us guiltless. And he also said, Not to speak is to speak. Not to act is to act. You can also make a huge difference if you please follow us on Twitter at NoPCAllowed, spelled A-L-O-U-D, again, on Twitter, at NoPCAllowed, spelled A-L-O-U-D, Share with your friends and family on Twitter and leave a review. Get the good words out. Thank you. You've been listening to No PC Allowed. I am Mac Iverson. We will meet again next week and every week.